Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and this, of course, is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, of course, you may have noticed, if you have eyes in your head, that that we are experimenting with video, and I, you know, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Maybe it's great. Maybe we don't do it again. But <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Today we are uh, going to talk about uh, the Michael Crichton adaption film, Congo. Activate the remote. In the race for the world's most advanced communications technology... A shocking discovery has been made. What was that? Lock your remote. Give me a thermal reading result to 6-6. It will take two young scientists into the heart of the African jungle. Where a secret hidden for 2,000 years holds the key to the future. This is Karen Ross. 81452 Houston, do you read? You used to work for the CIA, and now you're Travacom. Some will come to it for science. This is a big deal, Charles. This is a big find. Some for fortune. A diamond mine of incredible bounty. And some to return home. She doesn't really belong anywhere, does she? No, she belongs here. Together, they will search. My boss, he thought I wasn't going to make it. He sent another expedition. Drawn deep into a mystery. Camp destroyed, people dead, a gray gorilla. No such thing as a gray gorilla. I saw one. And the more they discover... The same hieroglyphics over and over. The greater the danger. What do they say? We are watching you. Saw an animal move like that. Shoot it! Shoot it! How intelligent are they? See, they're smart. They're too damn smart. Watch out! Go! We're getting out of here. What about them? Put them on the endangered species list. From the best-selling novel by the author of Jurassic Park. The myth of the killer ape is true. Congo, where you are the endangered species. Okay, so we actually got to see a trailer for once. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a synopsis for us? Yes. So as you said, it, it, it's a 1995 film adapted from the Michael Crichton novel, directed by Frank Marshall, and it stars Laura Linney, Tim Curry, Ernie Hudson, Dylan Walsh. And the synopsis that I have is an expedition goes to the African Congo to return a gorilla to her homeland and to find a source of diamonds for laser guns. (laughs) Diamonds Uh, for lasers. For lasers. On their journey, they discover the lost city of Zinj and a new species of killer gorillas, which they must overcome to survive. Okay. I mean, yep, that's what happens in the movie. Now, had you ever seen this before? You had. I had. So you want me to go first? Well, sure. I mean, okay. I, I probably I didn't see it in the theater, but I probably saw it when it came out. But go ahead. Shoot for it. So 
I saw this in the theater. I have almost no recollection. I had not seen it since because I was, for whatever reason, I was very hyped for this movie when it came out. I don't know if I haven't watched the trailer. Um, so I don't know if it was a great trailer or, or what, but so Frank Marshall, the director is kind of an interesting, uh, character, I guess you could say he didn't direct a lot of movies. Um, other than this, he did arachnophobia, um, alive. Did you ever see that one about the guys, the plane that crashed and they eat each other? I didn't um, actually see it. Okay. Anyway, so just a handful of movies, but he's produced a ton of films, all the Indiana Jones movies, all the Jurassic, whatever, all the back to the future movies. So tons of, uh, tons of things he produced. Um, and Michael Crichton, for people don't know who don't know, a bunch of his books have been adapted, probably most notably Jurassic Park. He also wrote Westworld as well. So I don't know if it was coming off of Jurassic Park that made me excited about this. I don't know. The only thing that I remembered is there is a talking gorilla. That was literally my only recollection of this film. But uh, seeing it in the theater, I was super hyped and then I hated it. I remember I hated this movie and I had no desire to ever watch it again. It popped up on Netflix and I was like, huh, maybe let's revisit that. See if, you know, my views have changed. Um, it's a tremendous cast. Uh, Let's pause there for a minute. Sure. It's a, it's a crazy cast. Right? Yeah. Laura Linney is a stone cold pro. I mm-hmm. can't think of a movie. I certainly haven't seen all the movies that Laura Linney has done, but she's always good. I can't think of a movie that I thought not Laura Linney's best. You mm-hmm. know I mean? She delivers and we'll get into how this film is challenging uh, as we go. But Delroy Lindo is in this. Uh, Joey Pantaleone is. in. Oh this. yeah. Yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah. Right. I mean, as I was watching, I mean, Tim Curry is in this. Um, um, Evil Dead. Um, oh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Bruce Campbell's in this. This mm-hmm. is it, this cast is crazy. So uh, one of the things I actually enjoyed about watching this movie is scene by scene being like, Joey Pants, what are you doing? You know, the spotting and, all the it's like the he's, uh, he's the great in with, all the ways. Great. It's like the uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, pointing at the screen is like, oh, look at you know, that guy's in it. This guy's in it, you know? Yeah. So it does have, it's a really great cast. Um, there, there are some weird accent choices. Um, Tim Curry is Romanian. I don't know if in the book, the character was Romanian and Tim Curry, Curry, another great actor. I don't know why they couldn't have had him just be English. Well, uh, so but, let's pause there again too. Mm-hmm. When you say weird accent choices, I mean, it's a deliberate choice, probably at the director's level, because you've got uh, him doing a, a Romanian accent. You would need a steak knife to cut through, mm-hmm. right? Laura Lenny's the only one playing it straight, really, in that regard. You've got, um, sorry, what's the guy's name? Ernie Hudson. Buster? Ernie Hudson is doing a sort of a, it's sort of British Right. I mean, didn't you get that that was supposed to be a British accent? It's almost like a 1940s, you know, that accent that uh, what's but that accent called? You know, like it's not yeah, exa- like a North Atlantic. Yeah. North Atlantic. Like yeah. That, yeah. Um, I don't know that that's what it's called, but I know what you mean. It's like, say, n- f- f- fancy meeting you here. Yeah. You know? 
like yeah. Americans talk like that. But uh, but but everybody seems to be putting some kind of spin on the accent thing, and it's it's all over the board. And Ernie Hudson is delightful. Like I really like him in the movie. He's just wonderful to watch on screen. I, I'm not going to say he's Laurence Olivier, but mm. you know the camera loves him, and and we love watching him on camera. So you go with it, but, and then you have people like Delroy Lindo and I'm forgetting the actor's name. He was in Oz. That's how I know him. Mm -hmm. Um, Another great African-American actor. uh, And he is a native. I don't remember what country they assigned him to, but he does a lot of speaking in whatever native language they've assigned him to. And then English with a heavily accented, you know, uh, version of English. And I think that the people playing quote unquote natives, it's, it's more convincing. It doesn't feel quite so overwrought like mm-hmm. Delroy Lindo being, you know, uh, a, a captain in one of these African countries sort of extorting them for money and kind of almost coyly messing with them until they pay him money. Uh, that sort of works because I guess what I want to get into is that whether this is a comedy or an action movie or a drama or what exactly this is, because so much of it is played as a comedy mm-hmm. that sometimes the accent works sort of, it's fine if you're watching this as a comedy and there's so many bits and, and scenes in this that are like, is this vaudeville? What are we <laughs> Yeah. What are we doing? I thought this was a movie about like an adventure movie about, you know, whether you don't, it's not haunted. It turns out that it's ape. I mean, they're real monsters, but they're, they're not supernatural mm-hmm. out in the deep jungle. And you think, you know, it's, it's uh, okay. So it's, it's, it's a thriller set in the jungle. And there's a, there's a monster in the dark that gets you. In this case, it comes leaping through the leaves and it grabs you. But there are scenes of this that are really played like it's a slapstick um, Jack Black or, or or Will Ferrell comedy flick, don't you think? Yeah, the the there's a scene where they're first on an airplane flying and they give the gorilla a martini. So she'll calm they give down. The gorilla- she drinks the and martini they, okay, and then belches. So- so there's a there's an actor in a gorilla suit that has a kind of an animatronic supplement to the face. It's um, better than Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff when you see the gorilla at a little bit more of a distance and it's an actor kind of moving around in the gorilla suit is, I think, fairly convincing. Yeah. But when you see close-up stuff like the the gorilla is sitting with the, in the airplane seat and they give the gorilla martini and she's drinking the martini and then goes, you know, it's very clearly a rubber face. Mm -hmm. that has got like some servos that are kind of making it smile and look contented. Like, Oh, martini, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's incredibly distracting. And I know this was the time period, but her Berkeley scientist guy who's a sort of patsy slash love interest i mean there's some weird which never really goes anywhere you know no no i mean there's no chemistry on screen between him and laura lindy but they try and sort of shoehorn that in and she is actually going 
to yeah. try to find Bruce Campbell, who was her one-time who fiance. she cares about. Yeah. Yeah. And spoiler alert, he gets he gets killed right in the beginning. So He's only in the first five minutes of the I movie. say Bruce Campbell's in it, but I'm like, why would you cast Bruce Campbell in this and then not use why not Bruce have Campbell? Bruce Cam- why not have Bruce Cam- and and so I was thinking about this going into this movie, and maybe you know, other have him be the scientist. Have yeah, that's be what I was gonna guy. say. Have him, be, have him be the scientist. But going into this movie, like now. Bruce Campbell would be a draw, but I was yeah. thinking watching this movie probably prior to this. Yeah. I had only seen Army of Darkness. I had not, I didn't see somehow, even though I'm, I'm a big horror fan and I watched tons of eighties horror growing up. I didn't see the evil dead. Somehow I missed the evil dead movies. I don't know. I remember seeing the box with the, you know, the girl coming up out of the grave. And I think I was just like, oh, that looks too intense. I don't know if I can watch that or not. And so I saw Army of... Some friends uh, took me to see Army of Darkness, which I didn't even know it was connected to those other movies then. Right. So I didn't actually see the, the first two Evil Dead movies until sometime in the 2000s. So like way after this. So I probably barely knew who Bruce Campbell was. I was probably like, oh, that's the guy from Army of Darkness. But yeah. Why have a minute for just five minutes? You know, early on, it's like, oh, this is pretty great. Bruce Campbell, you know, and I, I didn't remember his role. Like I say, I remembered almost nothing. But yeah, make him be the scientist. You know, and then you, he can be jokey, you know. Yeah. When you watch the other guy on screen, and I don't mean to be cruel or just disparaging for the sake of being disparaging, but, you know, the other guy's handsome enough and he he's professional enough he hits his marks and he delivers his lines and he's acting and it's not wooden but there's no he's not throwing sparks you know what i mean like there's no electricity when you're watching this guy mm-hmm. like there is when you're watching bruce campbell i mean you don't have to like bruce campbell but but he's throwing sparks you know there's something like like well that's that's interesting and engaging in a way that this other guy is they were clearly looking for somebody who was sort of a pretty boy, but also read as a bookish professor type. And then they bring an, uh, along another professor guy who just gets to be like, oh, dear, I'm scared character, yeah. which is another stock comedy thing. I'm like, why is this guy here? Like what? This movie is just trying to have it all. It's trying to be sweet and savory. Yeah, yeah. Now, that being said let's say Bruce Campbell had been the scientist role. How do you think he would have done with what they were trying to go for the attachment between the scientist and Amy, the gorilla, you know, that's supposed to be touching. Would, would Bruce Campbell, I mean, knowing what we know, Bruce Campbell now. Yeah. I mean, touching. I didn't think it was touching. So I don't know. It was intended to be, you know, um, but I don't know. Bruce... I think he could, you know, he can muster, he can muster. Even in Bubba Hotep, you saw moments where he got like dropped into himself. Like, oh, True. Yeah. Wanna, you know, never expected it to be this way or whatever. And, and it's like, mm-hmm. is it, are you going to run at him with an Oscar? Maybe not, but you still feel it. And that's all you need to do. And I didn't yeah. feel it in this movie. I didn't feel, I got, they told the story. I I saw what they were doing. I'm like, okay. But I didn't feel anything. 
Mm -hmm. So it could have been. I wonder how much of that comes down to just the the fact that the gorilla is not all that convincing as being real. I guess they hadn't discovered Andy Circus yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, in all honesty, the the and the so Amy. It's kind of strange because Amy doesn't look great, although it it became less distract. I just kind of went with it as the movie went sure. along. I sure. accepted that, you know, this is, you sure. know, it it's could not have been horrible. A kid actor. Yeah, it could have been a kid actor. Like we need to get her back to her family. It could have been a kid, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, so so there's this that's a kind of a Goonies element to it. And then there's this kind of broad strokes like. Uh, broad accent like a diamond mine of incredible bounty. <laughs> what are you? What are you doing? Uh, there's this crazy broad comedy element to it. There's like, and, and this doesn't happen in the movie, but it wouldn't have surprised me if somebody had like, whoa, fallen down a slippery slope in the slippery rainforest and like fallen face first into a big pile of elephant dung, right? That would not have, that would have fit somewhere in this movie. And they'd have been like, oh, and then everybody would have been like, ha, 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 laughing at this buffoon who fell in the poop. Mm -hmm. That's, there's a 20% of this movie is that, is in, is that movie, right? Yeah. But then there's also like paddling across the uh, uncharted Amazonian water in the misty night and then something's coming up Attacked out of the water turns out to be hippos, but it's as though we're not supposed to know what hippos are. There's some giant monsters like they're hippos. I mean, mm. it's still scary, but nobody goes hippo or it's just like, they're acting like it's some kind of a Leviathan, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the kind of jump scare, you know, almost horror, you know, creature in the depths movie. And that's a solid 20% or the, or the apes. There's no such thing as gray apes. And you're like, okay, whatever. I mean, is that crazy? Gray apes. Mm -hmm. There's that part of it. And there's a volcano that goes off, right? Yeah. And she has a, a laser that's some sort of a communication device that they're going to try and find these perfect diamonds that are the size of your fist. And she stuffs one in the laser and then, is basically Star Wars, like <laughs> cutting, cutting these attacking apes in half. Like, yeah, Laura Linney is doing this. Mm -hmm. and this movie is bonkers. But you know, I will say, I didn't. When I first saw it, I hated it. Yeah, that was, that was my. And I watched it this too. time. I was like, you know, I don't know. This is more entertaining than I remember it being. I mean, That's you exactly. If you don't expect anything of it, it's kind of like, this yeah. is crazy. And everybody's in it. I mean, I think at the time I didn't recognize these faces. But now I'm like, oh, my God, it's him. You know, mm -hmm. he's got like three lines. Or it's like, and that guy. It's like Joey Pantaloni, Delroy Lindo. And it just was at one after another. And you're like, this is great. And it's not poorly made. It looks good. No. It's shot well. It's not a cheap movie. No, it costs $50 million. Yeah. Um, well, that's you know, in today's days, but at the time, nineteen ninety-five, you know, dollars. But yeah, so and you know, I was thinking, okay, you know, the gorillas. So you have Amy, you know, doesn't look great. 
but there are other adult, uh, you know, regular gorillas, gorillas and they look yeah. pretty real. Yeah. The monster gorillas, they, they went a little bad. overboard with. Yeah. yeah the, they don't, uh, they don't look great. It's people in suits. Mm-hmm. And then for the monster gorillas, for the actual gorillas, they give them realistic looking gorilla faces. And that's okay. That kind yeah. of flies. But um, the monster gorillas they've made look kind of like bad dental. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're like, why are they so messed up looking? Like, why don't they just look like apes? Like, the, yeah, the, they're really the theory ugly. behind that is that the the humans at the time of this lost city sort of trained apes to be their kind of watchdogs, right? And then at some point, the apes sort of rose up and killed all the people and now they bred the most violent you know ones which i guess were the ugliest ones too you know (laughs) they were violent and ugly they look like mutants yeah Yeah. and i thought that's not necessary it's scary enough yeah yeah so but um it i mean it looks it's shot well i mean it, it looks professional and um the uh you know the effects were probably on par with other science fiction of the nineties. You know, my, I'd say my real problem with it is all of that jungle travel part is just boring. And, you know, they're dealing with the military and all that kind of stuff. And it's not really good and entertaining until they find the lost city. Everything after that, if the whole movie were like that, it would be a pretty great cheesy you know, B sci-fi movie. What's actually, I, I, I differ in opinion a little bit. I think the trekking through the jungle stuff is boring, mm-hmm. but I thought it was kind of interesting when they like show up at the airport and Laura Lenny just shows up with a, it, there's some indication that she used to work for the CIA, which you don't think of with Laura Lenny, but there's all these sort of players like uh, independent contractors at play here throwing money around. And then there's an explosion at the airport mm-hmm. and it turns out that there's been sort of a coup attempt on the local government and, and uh, Joe Panaglione in a, a role that he plays very well is this sort of jaded, you know, happy go lucky, jaded, you know, insider mm-hmm is sort of still bustling them around, loading stuff up. You know, he's a company man that they've never met before that's been hired to kind of get them all set up in country. And he's like, you know, we've had three governments in two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do not want to be here right now. You know, and they're all kind of ignoring it and don't look them in the eye kind of thing, like oh, this way. I thought that was kind of interesting how all of the pieces started flying left and right. And you're like, at any minute you could get stopped by a bunch of military guards that have their own agenda that have nothing to do with what you're trying to do, but get caught up in this power struggle. And I thought, and they're going from country to country, right? Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get across the border of Tanzania, but now they're in, the, you know, so they're in Africa and, and it's a, it's a checkerboard. They don't know, but they're with people who do. And, and the idea of these these people being caught up in a game they don't understand with people they don't quite trust, but they do know, understand it better than they do. I thought that was kind of interesting how the fortunes kept kind of flip-flopping and different folks kind of kept coming on and leaving. 
and the onion got peeled back a little bit. Who's this Romanian guy? Right. I mean, it was it's corny, but I actually thought that was kind of interesting because that's that's the part of the movie where you introduce some bit parts that are juicy little one or two scene parts by name actors. Yeah. Um, doing interesting things out there, trying to navigate this little bramble bush of getting deep enough into the country to the unexplored part of the country where they don't like they're flying in a plane and they're crossing a border. And I think it's Tanzania. I don't remember, but whatever military is it, the, the border is closed. So they start to try and shoot the plane down. Yeah. And it's not because they know who it is or anything personal or they're opposed to the mission. It's just, you know, our borders are closed. Here comes a plane, shoot it down. And they take out flare guns and they, you know, and I thought that was kind of interesting because it was, so fast like they were just having to adjust to evolving scenarios so quickly i was engaged in that part of the movie and then they land or i guess they jump out of the plane and then they sort of start slogging through the jungle and that's yeah why that was in particular the part was yeah jungle scene one jungle scene two jungle oh scene there's three, a snake jungle scene four and it's it's the same you know, get there, get there, find yeah. out what's going to happen. Why is this? This is not storytelling. Like they're in the jungle and now they're in the jungle longer and now they're still in the jungle. It's like, just do a star wipe or something and get to where they're going. Well, the stuff with dealing with the military and it, and it was okay. Um, it, it was interesting because as I was watching it, I was thinking, wow, this is a lot more adult than I remembered it being for this cheesy science fiction movie. And then later it gets to be this cheesy science fiction movie. And those parts feel like they're from another film. Yeah. Because it is a cheesy science fiction movie. Yeah. Right. It's a cheesy science fiction movie. Now, I mean, Jurassic parks is, is a science fiction premise that is leavened with comedy. Right. I don't remember uh, Michael Crichton's stuff being funny on the page. I don't think he, you know, characters flirt with each other and they have, you know, they make wise-ass comments to each other. But I don't remember reading it and being like, <laughs> that's hilarious. I think that in the movies, you take, you know, you, you take the, you leaven the fright, scary stuff with, comedy but that's done well in the spielberg properties like he's mm -hmm. sort of the master of that um and i feel like that, that whoever directed this was sort of going for that too and not succeeding yeah because the comedy is like now we're a crazy comedy movie and you're like uh, are we I, I thought we were sort of a you know sci-fi thing that you're trying to leaven it mm-hmm yeah, I think they really, those two parts of the movie really fought each other. Because none of the comedy landed. No. And when I remember watching it, I thought, oh boy, this is too much from Tim Curry. But then I watched it this time and I was like, he's just, he's just in the movie he's in. I mean, he has decided what movie he's in. And he has made strong, big, bold choices but clear choices and he's playing that part like and he's consistent you know he's the kind of craven 
it's funny to me to see a character that is so um, greedy that even mm-hmm. in the jaws of like, this is the volcano that you're in is erupting right now. And you are surrounded by a thousand murderous, like <laughs> apes, giant apes mm-hmm. that they're, you can't reason with them. They're animals that are just trying to kill you to protect the diamonds that you, and he's like filling his, oh, oh, oh filling his pockets with diamonds. And you're like, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've seen that character many, many times, sure. but it never feels true. I'm like, those guys are cowards. Like mm-hmm. you, you stuff one in your underwear and run for your life. Not like, a few more. I must get a few more. And they guess what? They kill him, you know. And he never took the turn that I was expecting. He wasn't he wasn't evil. He was just greedy. He doesn't uh, betray them. Yeah, right? there was you're there's waiting not a for moment the scene where, like, where Adios, Dr. Jones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. There's that that moment. Yeah. You were yeah, I kept waiting for that and it and it never comes. So I guess it was not too predictable in that regard. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate him as much. Mm-mm. I think especially after watching Legend and just seeing some of his stuff again, he he like a classical actor, he makes very specific bold choices and if the director is like that looks great moving on then that's the performance you get and Mm -hmm. you know it's the director's job to stitch all that into a tapestry that makes a more comprehensive whole yeah it's not the actor's job to be like i think some some of the other people are doing something slightly different so i'm going to change you know my performance i'm like was that good and the director said that was great like okay i'm doing my job and with this film, you would have to imagine, so Frank Marshall being this, you know, he had produced a ton of movies before this, big, big movies. And so he was the producer and the director. So you you would have to guess that he was, you know, there wasn't a lot of interference or anything like that, that this was the movie that he wanted to make, I would think. I feel like he would have benefited from some other, not... You know, just some counsel. It seems like he was thinking like a producer more than a director. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we got to have some of this in there. Yeah, we got to have some confetti. And then we got to have, you know, because all of that's in there. But it's not. It doesn't come together. We've been watching baking shows. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about cooking. But, you know, you cook, you make a chili or something and. You sometimes it's better the second day because all the flavors have had a chance to kind of develop layers and meld together. And if you eat it right after it's made, you're kind of tasting all the different things and you're not really. That's what this feels like to me. It feels like this kind of gumbo or chili of of, of lots of different things that a producer would be like, oh, you got to have laughs. And, but, oh, there needs to be some scares. And don't forget romance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was like they were kind of going, this scene is the romance, all right? Really, no, really, stare into his eyes. Now, the, the monkeys are mating and they're making funny sounds. Now, this is a funny moment. Now, you make a funny sound and you make it again. And now, Laura Lenny, you make it because like, you're kind of on board and maybe something's happening here. This is a, yeah. it doesn't work. Right. But you see that he's like, oh, that's great. Moving on, you know, and you're kind of like, no, you didn't get that. That mm-hmm. doesn't work. It didn't accomplish what it needs to accomplish to be effective. You can't just say funny scene, funny scene, scary scene, scary scene, you know, romantic scene, action scene, funny scene, romantic scene, action scene, curtain. That doesn't make an, a, a good movie. 
it the care has to be taken to bring that Frankenstein of things to, together into a single living. What a metaphor. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, yes, right? I got it. It it doesn't it never came together. No, no. Now a question, and I don't know if we ever I don't know if we've actually mentioned this or not. So Amy the gorilla um signs, you know, she's grown up in captivity, I guess, even though she's originally this is where she was originally from. But she signs and they've also but they have this thing on her arm and so it talks, you know, she like when it detects the sign language. Yeah. It, it's actually speaks the words. Yeah. Which I will actually finish your thought. I want to okay. some nits. So the, that. the, the two things that my two things that with her that I was like, ah, eh, I don't know about this. So she comes to the rescue in the end, the, the scientist, you know, her, who's basically kind of like her father uh, is surrounded by the evil apes and she comes running in and growls at them and they're scared. And, you know, so they, they back off. So that's, that's one thing that happens. And then at the end, she stays with the, you know, she's not going to return to captivity. She's going to stay with the wild apes. So do you think that these, gray apes would have been afraid of her one and could do you think that this ape that uh that grew up in captivity could now suddenly go you know they they pretty much animals that are raised in a zoo or something they can't survive in the wild on their own because they don't you know she wouldn't know how to find food it'd be like okay can somebody give me a banana you know (laughs) Or I mean, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right, and I think in the story slash book in in the in the fictional world of this, she's supposed to be a remarkable ape, right? You know, not just your typical apes are smarter than we think, but she's supposed to be really special. I think that's what is underlined here. Um, I think I would just say this real quick. This has popped into my head. I'd like to see a follow up to this like a month later. And she's sitting around. I was like, so wait a minute. You guys don't have martinis. What, what, you know, (laughs) it's like, she's signing to them and they're reading the New Yorker. Right. She's signing and they're just like, what is, what is wrong with this? You know, I, I don't think she would go in and be like the king of the or king all of the, the apes. monkeys. All the monkeys are sitting there with martinis and yeah, tie. yeah. She's <laughs> she's domesticated them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it wouldn't fall that out, out that outside the realm of this movie. But yeah. um, but the bone I want to pick with that technology is, and I don't remember when they first set up um, Stephen Hawking's rig, right? Mm-hmm. That he can he triggers with. Because all he can move is his eyes. So he triggers all that with like subtle eye movements and and he can type and make the machine talk for himself. In this movie, she's just wearing a glove and they, they, they demo it by showing a guy who has been deaf since birth, a person, a man who is signing and he's wearing this glove. And it's supposed to be this crazy Oprah moment of him being like, this is the first time that I have heard my voice. And everybody's like, <gasps> and you're like, you're signing. You've been talking the whole time. 
It's just not audio talking and and you're not doing anything different, right? There's just a motion sensor glove or whatever. It's not really defined, but no. that is translating the, the sign language, the communication you've been doing your whole life into a computer generated voice like that, that. I guess in 2021, that doesn't seem that remarkable. Maybe in 95 or whenever this was made. That was like, oh, that's crazy. You know, but it seems much more remarkable to me that whatever they do with Steve, Stephen Hawking, that seems crazy because he can't move. He can't sign. Right. Mm -hmm. It is a way that he was able to communicate. Excuse me. And the audio trick is neat. So they for the guy doing it, it's like, I am a computer when they have the um, ape talking it's a little girl's voice yeah right so they add this kind of theatrical twist to it so they make it they not only anthropomorphize her with a human voice but they give her a little girl's human voice which supposedly plucks the heartstrings but she's still just signing right it's not a chip in her brain that skips that step it's just it's just a computer that interprets her sign language and we we know that apes can sign, and that's yeah. that's crazy. That's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. But people are like seeing this ape sign, and they're like, "This is boring." And then it's like, <laughs> "I am Amy," and they're like, oh, "An ape is talking." <laughs> yeah, like well, the computer is talking. The ape has been talking the whole time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The ape so, didn't learn something new, you know. She right, and Laura Lenny grills the guys like, "Why type?" teach an ape to talk and they the conversation goes on and on and you're like is this supposed to be some core moral message of the movie like why is this a five minute scene of him and her is this supposed to be them is this supposed to be a romance building scene it, it feel like seemed that. It like, like it was because they... like but why why would you do something so meaningless and he's like because i'm a teacher and teaching is awesome and she's like yeah but why <laughs> They connect on, they connect on his quote from Keats or whoever it is, you know. Right. Um, right. Yates. Or Yates, I mean. Uh, uh, and uh, so you're like, oh, this is setting up the romance down the road that never happens, you know. Right. And Laura Laney is good enough that, you know, she tells the story. She makes eyes at him and smiles at him in when directed to do so but there's no chemistry between those two no. on the screen ever ever yeah and again you feel like i don't know i don't know if they were ever in a movie together uh because they don't really appear together in this but if it had been her and bruce campbell would there have been that chemistry i really they would have made something happen you know, I, I feel like she just wasn't getting anything back from this guy. You know, there was no back and forth. You know, he was kind of doing his lines. That really landed on me early on with the guy at the studio who is a great character actor. That's, well, I, I don't say he's great. Uh, he's in a lot of stuff. You know, the, her boss that's like, we have to yeah, get yeah. that laser. We need a money machine. And in the early scenes where she's like, he's like yelling at her, you got to go to the jungle. I thought we're just crazy. I'm mm -hmm. like, you got to get more takes than that. Cause this is not a performance. He's just yeah. like, 
And then she's like, if you tell me uh, I'm going for him, then I'll go. But the second I feel like it's about the diamond, like it's 100% all about the diamond. And it has been so far. You know what I mean? Like that's so crystal clear that this guy doesn't give a crap about, I guess it's his son, right? Mm-hmm. He's only interested in this mineral asset and and she is jumping through hoops to try and make this seem like a realistic scene and he's just i'm just sort of yelling my lines at you that's kind of how that guy always was as i recall yeah i really thought it was terrible but usually he's like the (laughs) sheriff or something yeah and all he's got to be is menacing right we don't want to see you across these border again you know in my jurisdiction yeah don't come in my town again i get it you're threatening you're white and you have a gun and authority and I'll stay clear of you. And in this, there's actually supposed to be some subtlety to it and there's none. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know. Back to Bruce Campbell just for a second. You know, his career, you know, Bruce Campbell has carved out a nice career for himself and, you know, he's doing fine and everything, but he never quite broke through. He's a guy that could have been a real leading man, you know, I think. And and just think about like, he's a guy that he would have been a pretty good Indiana Jones, Could you know, been, for sure. It would have been, it had a different tone, but it would yeah, have been, been a little more sarcastic than, you know, uh, yeah. Harrison there's Ford. A cra- there's a, there's a, uh, there's more of a craziness to his grin. Like Harrison Ford has got that great grin. He does. That's mostly handsome and charming with just a hint of crazy to it. You know, it's just like so dazzling that you think, I don't know, he might just he might just do it. Mm-hmm. And with Bruce Campbell, it's mostly crazy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I would not play chicken with this guy. No. <laughs> you know, like he wants to crash the car. He's mm-hmm. crazy and charming and handsome, but mostly crazy. And I think it's still great on screen. Yeah, but it would have been a different. It would have been a little bit harder, I think, to square that Indiana Jones as um, professor. Yeah, yeah, right. True. Tomb Raider, sure. Adventurer, sure. Even leading man, sure. But I think him as professor would have felt uh, more strained. And somehow Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, manages to thread that needle pretty well. Oh, yeah. Very well. But I think Bruce Campbell would have done the comedy better. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's just interesting that he's always been kind of relegated to a genre guy, you know? Like I say, he's he's doing fine. I I don't think you have to feel bad for... Bruce Campbell, but I think he um, likes that stuff too. Yeah. You know oh, yeah. What I mean, I think he's drawn to it also. He and Sam Raimi, it wasn't accidental. I mean, they think they were both really excited about that material. Yeah. You know, and I think that does shape the rest of your career. But I think you're also drawn to do the work. You know, you get offers and you're like, oh, I really want to do this one. Mm, not so much about that one. And that that's part of it too. Well, and he did a lot of TV, you know, that, uh, like what he did, what was the one he had like that USA show that was like on for years. And I forget I what it remember. was called, but it was something that I never saw, but you know, one of those USA programs that somebody watches cause it, you know, was on for several seasons, but anyway, so what do you think? Um, is this, is Congo a movie that you, how do you feel about it as far as a recommendation? You know, 
I would say it's on Netflix through the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. right? And if you got Netflix and you're bored and you feel like, you know, you want to take a while or you're curious or anything we've said makes you interested. I liked it a lot more this second time. Uh, me too. It in this context than I did in the first time. Do yeah. I think it's a great movie? No, I do not. Do I think it works? No, no, I do not. But there was a lot of entertaining stuff, whether the, you know, whether I was laughing with the movie or at it, I, you know, I had fun watching this one. So I guess I would sort of say, you know, if with that as a caveat, I'm like, I don't know, check it out. It's, it's not great, but it is entertaining. Yeah, I feel pretty much the same. I was prepared to come into this one and, and just be kind of like, I kind of liked it. And I thought you were going to be like, are you crazy? This movie's terrible. But no, it, it. I was entertained watching it. You know, I don't know if it was just because I had such low expectations because I had hated it 25 years ago. So, I mean, yeah. this was, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. This was one of those. And I think, you know, you you mellow as you age. So I I, I don't have the... I'm not going to go and see a movie now and it'd be like, Oh, that movie sucked. And it like, you know, back then it was like, this was one of these things where I w- as I said, I was very hyped. And then it was a terrible movie going experience. Cause it was just like, I hate this. And I remember my, the girl that I was dating at the time, I think like she kind of felt bad for me because it was like, Oh, I'm sorry. That movie sucks so bad that you wanted to see, you know? And so, that was just my, and I'd kind of blocked everything else about it from my memory because it was just like, oh, I hated that so much. And then like I watched it and this is much better than some of the really bad yeah. movies that we've watched, you know. Well, you go into something wanting a particular thing and then not getting it. That's your experience is this sort of bitter. I mean, I don't know that we want to discuss them, but I want to go back and watch the second and third Matrix films again yeah. because mm-hmm. I wanted them to be as good as the Matrix in specific ways. I can, I can even in my mind, I can concede that there were some spectacular visual sequences. But now coming up on this Matrix reboot or Matrix 4, I'm curious with no stakes, with being like, my verdict going into it is this is terrible. Uh, maybe I'll give it another fair look and just see if it's quite. My hunch is that I'm like, that's not as bad. I was just disappointed more than anything else at the time because mm-hmm. I wanted something that this isn't. I think that definitely is. I think that's almost worse than a movie just being horrible is when it you're hoping for it to be something and it turns, I I think that's what happened with this is I don't know if it was meant to be campy, but it's a campy movie. And I thought it was going to be Jurassic park. You know, I thought it was going to be another like really great nineties science fiction kind of horror thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. Yeah. I don't, I I don't think I I recommend it. Okay. Like if, if it's something that you think you'd want to check out, I'm like, I'm not going to try and dissuade you. Don't waste your time. But I'm also, it doesn't work. Do you think, how do you think this would play for kids today? Like if, like if your kids watched this. Mm, My kids are kind of a special case, but I think that the reasons that it doesn't work are not about age. They're just, 
basic, you know, I harp on this, but like basic movie storytelling. Do you care yeah. about the characters? Do you get invested in their plight? And, you know, the the romantic interactions in between them, the fear to the, the stakes of one of them or more of them coming to harm, like how invested do you get? I, I didn't get invested in any of these characters. And so I don't think my kids would either. And I think their yeah. patience with would, would expire a lot sooner than mine would. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would say that would be my guess. So, yeah. Uh, so there we are. Do you ha have you thought at all about what you'd like to do for next time? Um, I haven't really. I am actually tonight going to watch this new movie. Uh, I'm going to watch. I'm going to go to my sister's house and watch it. This new movie called Malignant, which oh, yeah. was released in theaters and is also on HBO Max. Um, so that's one that we could. It's horror, but my understanding is it is. It, I don't it think it takes place in the 80s, but I think it's kind of supposed to be like an 80s throwback. What I've I've kind of tried to stay away from spoilers because I know there's a big twist in it. Um, I read. I unfortunately I read it all. Oh, you know that. Okay, have, it's supposed to be real. We could do it if you want. The, the yeah. cinematography looks really interesting. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's the guy who did. Uh, it's James Wan who directed, and I haven't. I'm not a big fan. Like he directed Saw, which I hated Saw. Um, Obi James Wan Kenobi. A, yep, exactly. James Wan Kenobi. Uh, he directed, I don't know, one or some of the fast whatever movies. And he directed Aquaman. Um, but I was curious about that. I've heard some really good things about this one. So I don't mm -hmm. know. But but if you know that, you know, another thing. Um, Why don't you watch it? Let's not plan yeah. to do that next week. Why don't you watch it and let me know broadly what you think? Okay. Because I'm not all that into it. Yeah. But. If you watch it and you think it's really germane and like actually really worth discussing, then we could do it. Yeah, it the trailers made it look like just a very basic kind of modern horror film. But f what little bit I've read about it and some things that some other people have said, uh, you know, makes it seems kind of interesting. Another thing this and this could we could do sometime down the road. I don't know if we brought this up before or not, but Tim Curry got me to thinking I have never seen in its entirety. I've seen bits and pieces. I've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, um, really? Yeah, which I don't know how you're, if you're a fan of that or um, that's something we could do sometime unless you've seen it a bunch. I haven't seen it a bunch. I have seen it multiple times. We could do that. That's certainly in the wheelhouse. And that could be a Halloween, uh, you know, an October kind sure. of thing. I don't want to spoil anything for you right off the bat. Broadly speaking, it starts out real strong. And then I feel like it lags in act two and three. Mm -hmm. So the opening act of it and launching into act two is just a roller. It's just great. You're mm -hmm. just like, this movie is insane. And I think that's where most of the fellowship comes from. Um, and then as it plays itself out, I feel like it's a, a, like a wind up toy that kind of winds down. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. um, but you should see it. I don't want to say don't waste your time. It's certainly a cult classic of our generation. That... I maybe have seen it. Most of it just in. I don't know if I've ever seen. I, I know I've never just sat down and watched it 
all the way through, but I've caught bits and pieces of it here and there, like on HBO or whatever, but I don't know if it's ever been completely pieced together. Susan Sarandon, it might be her first movie, actually. I'm not sure about that. She is young, young, young. Mm -hmm. Um, And Tim Curry is electric and steals it. And then the guy we just talked about in uh, Dark City. Yeah is on fire like that just that guy just burns a hole in the screen i gotta look up and see what other movies he may have been in because he's there's something about him that is just riveting on screen Mm -hmm. but he he directed it and wrote it i think i think it's his movie and cast himself as the sort of butler so he's in it but he's a very peripheral right character that kind of pops in it's not a narrator but he sort of pops in periodically tim curry is the chief uh I guess antagonist and he's just steals it. Yeah. You know, but then as we get into act two, we follow him less and we start following some of these other characters. Yeah. Meatloaf in it. And yeah. And they, they are, they are less riveting and Mm. their stories are less riveting. Okay. But, but you, you definitely should see it. And I think if you want to do it this Halloween, we should. Yeah, that would be, we should save it. We should save it for, Rocktober. Yes, exactly. But yeah, Malignant. So I will. I'll let you. Yeah, sure. I'll. I'll tell you what I think about Malignant, and then we can decide if if that's something. That yeah, we and cover. and we can we can kind of let things marinate in terms of what we do next time. I know you're gonna take a break with your family, mm-hmm. so there won't be any there won't be any break in posting these things. But we have a little time to sort of see what flows to the surface. The and I don't know if there is, I don't know when it comes out. And I know, I don't know if it will be a theater only thing. Um, and I know for you going to the theater is a, you know, I don't know if you want to go back to the theater and, but um, have you seen anything about, um, I think it's called last night in Soho. No, it is the new film by, uh, Shit, I can't think of what his name is. The guy who directed um, Shaun of the Dead and um, what is his name? Um, Edgar Wright directed Shaun of the Dead and um, Hot Fuzz and The World's End or whatever it's called. You know, uh, so this is a um, it has the the girl from. Uh, the, I can't think of anything right now. The chess, the chess show. Um, sure. I don't remember her name either, but I know. So, and it's like, I, it's like, uh, it has another actress in it. And one is from the modern. <laughs> it's that guy, it's that the guy, girl yeah. from the chess show normally and I'm, another actress. Normally I'm, I'm better with the names. Anyway, and it is great. And it's fantastic. <laughs> it's it's directed by somebody. No, but it's, uh, so Edgar Wright wrote and directed it. And this, um, there's a woman who it's it's modern day from my understanding, but she somehow gets transported back to Soho in the 60s. Anna Taylor Joy is the is the yes. girl from the chess, Thank uh, you. whatever the chess thing is. And she is she's the character in the in the 60s who's a singer or something. And it's a it's it's a like a thriller or horror or something, but it's it's not comedic. It's it's pretty much all done straight and it looks fantastic from the trailer. So that's coming up soon, maybe next month or November. 
That could um, be cool. Yeah, I really like Edgar Wright a lot. You know, he's a really, really good director. Yeah. So, so anyway. Well, that's for next month. But we'll have to think about what we feel like sinking our teeth into for next time. So bear with us, faithful listeners. Chris and, and viewers Chris now. Talk. Hopefully and viewers now. Viewers. If you're watching it. Yeah, who knows? Um, uh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. And we're on the socials and, uh, hopefully we matched our voice, you know, cause you, or you, you always have that weird thing where like a DJ or whatever, you know, it's like, right. Oh, the, and then you see them and you're like, Oh, that wasn't what I expect that person to look like. <laughs> well, I spent a lot of time getting ready for camera tonight as you can. <laughs> I did. Too. I stuck on a hat. So, um, <laughs> I slept about an hour and a half last night. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't get much sleep either. I was tired today. Bad. So, yeah. Um, so. And I'm half in the bag for Wednesday. I'm not doing my best. Hmm. And, and I don't know. The video might not. Maybe you're listening to this and hearing us talking about video and you're like, what? Maybe there isn't any video. I don't know. We've never done this before. So, this is a, an experiment for us. And if it all syncs up, then maybe you're watching it and maybe you're hearing it and there is no way to see video because it looks terrible and I didn't include it. <laughs> I don't know. We we can't see the future. We cannot. I wish we could. Anywho, yes, and so we can't tell you what we're going to do next time because we haven't decided that either. But exactly. um, shoot us an email. Give us suggestions. Give us your feedback. Uh, like, subscribe, etc. 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 And um, anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. So we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>